Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, welcome to church. I'm going to let you in on a little insight here. Um, As pastor of Christian ministries and any pastor of any church, you wouldn't believe how quick Wednesday and Sunday comes. I mean, it's just like, whoo, all of a sudden it's Sunday again. All of a sudden it's Wednesday again. And and I, I, I don't mind that, but what I'm telling you is I find myself in a continual preparation stage. Uh, not preparation age, preparation stage. <laughs> a preparation stage, trying to continually get ready for what's next. And, and, and I just, I know that each of us here today are in preparation for something. I mean, there's something you're preparing for. I mean, we're, we're all the time headed towards something that didn't happen or hasn't happened yet in our life, but we're believing God for it, what, whatever that is. I mean, some of you are prepared for lunch today. I mean, you didn't eat breakfast because I'm waiting for lunch. And so that was part of your preparation, not eating breakfast. Uh, does anybody just eat one meal a day? I know some of y'all, some of you that just one meal a day. Man, you're, you're preparing for that one meal. And that one meal better be good because you only got one chance. See, there's always something you're preparing for. School's starting in, in, in September, some of you in August. Are you prepared? Parents are like, yeah. I didn't hear one shout from a young person. (laughs) Better get prepared. Your financial portfolio. You know, I didn't think a lot about that when I was 15, 16 years old. But when you get in your 50s, you start kind of thinking about it. Okay, where where am I at? What am I going to do because... I don't think Social Security is going to be enough, so what, have I put enough back? I just, well, you better get prepared, because one day you will be in your 50s. And for those of you that are 60 and up, come on, amen, you'll be one day, go, oh, here I am. We have some that have made preparation for a new child, and I was talking to Chapman and Hannah, who just had their baby, but... I was talking to them, and, and they have this bag that sits there by the door ready. And the bag has to be prepared before labor begins. I, I'd never thought a lot about that when we were having kids. I just thought, well, it, when we... For those of you that are deer hunters, I need you to know that deer season is coming quickly. And you must be prepared for deer season. This week, we will be planting our food plots for the fall harvest that the deer will enjoy. And I will enjoy the deer enjoying. So you better prepare. I mean, there's always something you need to get prepared for. There's just always something. I mean, preparing for food, preparing for vacation. Man, have you ever, like, okay, I'm not prepared for vacation and so you're last minute trying to get everything packed, and, re- and that's part of the preparation, but you're last minute. And then you get wherever you're going, and you're like, ah, I forgot something. Yeah. You failed in your preparation. 
And I just, I think about this a lot because as pastor of Christian Ministries, Sunday and Wednesday comes quickly. And so I'm always preparing, and I tell people, if you're hanging out with me, there's a good chance that part of my preparation will be hanging out with you. And therefore, you'll show up in the sermon on Sunday or Wednesday. Tell that, my family knows that very well. There's a frustration in life when you don't prepare. And you get to whatever event it was that you're having, and you didn't prepare for it. As different personality types that we have, we have what we call extroverts and introverts. Introverts do a way better job at preparing for something than an extrovert does. Uh, Especially these extroverts that are the life of the party. And when they show up, you know that the, nobody's going to be at a lack for words. I mean, if Chapman's there, you have no problem. He's going to have somebody talking the whole time. Well, here's the thing. That personality can tend to not prepare because they think their mouth will cover everything. That... I didn't mean to throw Chapman under the bus. That just happened. I, I, I have, Chico and I have been friends for years. And been going to church together for years. And I've watched him um, pour concrete. And there are times that you have to prepare for rain or prepare for no rain. There's times you have to prepare plumbing before you pour concrete. You better make sure your preparation was right on. Because when that concrete gets there, it's there. And I've watched that. and, And that plumbing, if it doesn't get done before you pour, you've got a headache on your head. See, there's just some real peace that comes in correct preparation. There's a peace that comes when you get to lunch and everything is provided. There's a peace that comes in life when you have properly prepared. But just as equally, there's no peace when there's no preparation. You you get there and you're like, oh, this is not going to be good. In all of life, the Lord sets up vision in the hearts of his people. He does that. Now, you can ignore it, but he sets up vision. And if you're seeking out God's plan for you, you can know that he's not hiding it from you. And daily, you need to know as a Christian that you have the opportunity to prepare for where he's sending you. You have the opportunity. You don't finish one thing And then go, okay, I'm done, life is complete. No, you finish one thing and you start thinking about what's next. The sad thing is a lot of Christians aren't really looking at what God's plan is for next. They're looking at what benefits them as next. And there is where we find the culture of the church. We're always looking for what's going to benefit us immediately instead of what benefits the kingdom, which will then benefit us. I would love to use the illustration as deer again. I'm not really happy that the deer are happy about eating when I plant a food plot. What I'm happy about is that the deer are going to hang out so that I can get happy in eating them. So there's, there's a way of thinking past yourself, but ultimately it comes back and blesses you. If I bless the deer, the deer will bless me. Maybe a bad illustration. (laughs) But what I'm telling you is if you'll start getting this mindset of past yourself, you'll find that life goes better for yourself. 
there's a peace, there's a joy, there's a, there's just, it, preparing's a big deal. James chapter 4, verse 13, let's get right into some scripture. Look here in verse 13, look here, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town and stay there a year. We'll do business there and we'll make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to go or if the Lord wants us to, we'll live and we'll do this or that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. Not a lot of sermons on this topic. All such boasting about your plans is evil. Remember, in verse 17, rookie here, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. You know, we get caught up on these horrible sins. Well, I've never killed anybody. Well, yeah. Have you ever known what you should do and then not done it? Just as separating from the Lord as killing some. Maybe not the same extreme consequences, but in the end, still no peace, no joy. Puts you in a place you don't want to be. You're in captivity. All of these things are horrible. And what I'm telling you is, is we've got to get to a place to know that when we prepare based on what God has done in us, through us, and given us vision for we will find ourselves in a place of contentment. In life, we really, we really ought to get out of bed every day for more than just trying to get to the restroom. And sometimes that's the only reason I get up and I go and I get back. But, but we ought to get out of bed knowing, you know what, God's got a plan for my life and I'm going to head right into it today. That doesn't mean that you're going to get to where God has you going, but you're at least going to be in process. The scripture here is real clear. You've got to prepare based on what your God-given direction is, not just based on what you think will benefit you. We've got to start thinking what will benefit the kingdom. Um, Getting up ought to give you an excitement for your day as you're prepared, as you're prepared and preparing. Part of preparation is anticipation. I love this word. This word's really cool. It means to expect. It means to predict with a a real or a certain surety. And when you anticipate something, you can know it's coming. Now, there's, there's these anticipations that give you this, whoa. You don't know if that's oh no or oh yeah. But you can anticipate something that's coming your way that's not good. I, I, I hear my wife say, uh, oh, and I'm like, uh-oh. Or let me give you another word of anticipation that women are real good at. <gasps> I, I can't stand that. <laughs> what? what? Somebody's getting ready to die. This is not 
I don't ever do that. <laughs> it's hard for me to duplicate. I opened the door to this gym the other day and thought no one was in here, and I was just going to make sure the alarm was set. And Rachel's standing right next to the door, and I want you to know it's pitch black dark outside. It's pitch black dark in here. I'm not usually a fearful guy. And I opened the door, and she goes, hello. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> now, Rachel, in my defense, did I go, ah! No, I tried not even to jump. But I know she knew because there was a puddle I had to clean up. No, I'm just, it was, it was not good. I didn't anticipate somebody standing there. So anticipation that ends in frustration is usually not the anticipation I'm talking about. We anticipate something that's going to happen, and we usually are thinking that it's going to be good. And, and, and if you're going to anticipate things, there is a drive in you to stick it out till you get to what you're anticipating. I'm anticipating something, and there's a drive. <laughs> I, I went back to when I was seven years old, and this song came right into my mind. And it's in a commercial. Grandma always had Heinz ketchup, and it's slow good. It's slow good. Y'all are looking at me like that wasn't as good for you as it was me. <laughs> but anticipation... Anticipation is a word that's very, very cool because it just makes you realize. All right, let me just say, if you are going to be in this church any length of time at all, you're going to hear me talk about Jif peanut butter and Heinz ketchup. <laughs> Those are my two favorite forms of food that I live anticipating. So it, it just this, this commercial was about anticipating something that was coming that was going to to be good. It was going to be good. We have got to get to a place where our preparation allows us to anticipate what's coming and it's going to be good. All right, now I'm going to talk about that for about 20 minutes because you need to hear about this. One of our biggest problems in this nation is that no one is anticipating or preparing for a better tomorrow for our nation. You turn on the news and you might as well just go kill yourself because it's over. I mean, that's what they're telling you. Take what you have today, put it in the hands of God, and come on, church, let's head towards a better tomorrow. Instead of just living so frustrated with life, let's head towards a better tomorrow. God has given you everything that you are in need of to live the godly life, even a paperclip. Heard this story many years ago. I shared it with leaders in Leaders Academy for years, and it just made such a difference in the way I looked at life. See, what you do will eventually open a door for what you will have. Now, I want to set this up, and I want to talk about this paperclip. It's an important deal. When you live anticipating, anticipating and believing for a better tomorrow, you're going to start seeing opportunity in what you have. You're going to, you just are going to see that. One red paperclip. It wasn't just a silver one. It was a red one. Kyle McDonald. You ever heard this name? He was a Canadian blogger. And he did something with one red paperclip that motivated me years ago to think a little different. 
I was always looking for what God was going to bring to me instead of what I had. And God will use what you have. And we're always looking for God to bring something to us. And right now I don't have it, so I can't do anything. Since I don't have this an exuberant amount of money, I can't do anything. Since I don't, since nobody's going to bless me here, I can't do anything. And we always are looking for something that we don't have. Well, here's what I can tell you. Kyle McDonald figured this out, and he used what he had. I'm just tired of people saying, I don't have anything, and I want you to know you do. And Kyle McDonald had a paperclip, and it was red. And on July 14th, 2005, he went to Vancouver, and he traded the paperclip for a fish-shaped pen. Canadian blogger. He was telling people about his life and everything that was going on, and he was all the time believing for a better tomorrow. And he thought, well, I'm going to put this into action. And so he took this red paperclip, went to Vancouver, and he traded it for a fish-shaped pen. Well, that's a pretty good increase if you think about that. He then took that fish-shaped pen, and he traded it that same day for a hand-sculpted doorknob. On July 25, 2005, he traveled to Massachusetts with a friend to trade the doorknob for a Coleman camp stove with fuel. On September 24, 2005, he went to California and traded the camp stove for a Honda generator. On November 16, 2005, he traded for an instant party. That's an empty keg. Some of you might know what that is. An IOU for filling the keg with the beer of the holder's choice and a neon Budweiser sign. On December 8th, wisely, he traded the instant party for one Ski-Doo snowmobile. Within a week of that, he traded the snowmobile for a two-person trip to British Columbia to be used in February of 2006. On or about January 7th, 2006, he traded the trip for a cube van. February 22nd, 2006, he traded the cube van for a recording contract. On or about April 11, 2006, he traded the recording contract for a year's rent in Phoenix, Arizona. On or about April 26, 2006, he traded the one year's rent in Phoenix, Arizona for one afternoon with Alice Cooper. May 26, the month later, he traded the one afternoon with Alice Cooper for a Kiss motorized snow globe. I didn't even know they made those. A Kiss motorized snow globe. The group Kiss. Okay, get right. A few days later, on June 2nd, 2006, he traded the Kiss motorized snow globe to Corbin Burnson for a role in the film Donna on Demand. On or about July 5th, almost a year later, 2006, he traded the movie role for a two-story farmhouse in Kipling, Saskatchewan. A paperclip to a house in a year's time. Wow. Now, you can look this up. This is a true story. And I sit there and I think, okay, this guy 
believed that there was some value in a paperclip. He just knew that there was a process in getting to the value. He knew that there was a process in taking what he had to get something that he was going to get. So what I want you to know is that's a kingdom of God principle. It's taking what you have and moving yourself to a place in life to receive what you didn't have when you were hoping you would have it. But you already had it. It was increasing value, increasing value. And in all of life, I'm not saying go out and start trading. But maybe, I'm just telling you, if God has placed vision in your heart, and he's done that if you're a Christian, and you've either said yes or no to it, then you have a goal to head where God wants you to be. And you're like, well, I don't know how to get there. I can't fill out all the details, but you better get up every day knowing you're headed there. And there is preparation on a daily basis to get you where you're going to be. We are here, we are going somewhere, and we have to live like we are. Come on, I want to talk to the church today. As a church, we are here, and we're going somewhere. Where are we going? Well, I don't know. It is just wherever the wind blows is where I'll end up. I'm not saying that that might not be God's plan for your life, but that's still a plan. Don't just go out on your own benefit, your own desires. Make sure you have a God desire. Matthew chapter 25 explains this so, so well. So, so well. Matthew 25 verse 1 Jesus is speaking, this is all in red letters, and it says, Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along the extra oil. Can I just reread that and put this word in there? Five of them were prepared... And five of them were procrastinators, or they were non-carers, non-preparers. You put whatever word you want in there. The Bible says they were foolish. I don't want to be called foolish. Scripture does go on to say that those using the word foolish are in danger of hellfire. I don't want to call someone foolish. That's not my heart today. You make the distinguishing. You distinguish whether, is that me? Am I prepared or am I foolish? You'll have to make that decision. Going on, verse 5, when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. Now, Here's the moment of, <laughs> or the moment of, <laughs> do you see the difference? At midnight, they were roused. Look, <laughs> come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five Foolish ones, unprepared, asked the others, hey, would you please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out? But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. 
But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the day or the hour of my return. These are Jesus' words. There were five prepared and five that were not. Five prepared and five that were not. i got to talk about some things here today. There's just some relevant points to this parable that makes perfect sense to apply to the life of those people that are in the church. And I think it's important that we know these. So the first point here today, the first relevant point associated with this parable is very important. You've got to be spiritually ready. You've got to be spiritually ready. Ready for what? Ready for what God's promises are saying are yours. You've got to be spiritually ready. You've got to be spiritually at a place where you're ready to receive. If there is one thing that Jesus consistently and continually preached, it was that you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. Let's say it like this. We need to be prepared. Prepare. Prepare. When you're prepared because you're anticipating a, not a, yeah, you're prepared for what God has coming. And Matthew 24, 44 says you must also be ready all the time for the Son of Man will come when least expected. You're not expecting, but I'm just telling you, Jesus is coming back. And obviously we want to be prepared for his promise of heaven, but how about getting prepared for his promise of healing? How about getting prepared for his promise of blessing? How about getting prepared for peace in your life? How, get, how about getting prepared for a great marriage? How, got, how about getting prepared to raise some great kids in an environment that's just totally... What are you doing right now to fulfill the preparation process that the promise wants to fulfill in your life? In this culture, people try to live for today as though there is no tomorrow. And one of my great concerns for our country, and even within the church, is the great moral disconnect between personal faith and your ethical, moral, daily behavior. See, there's just a disconnect going on. Many people in the church, I'm not talking to people that aren't saved today, even though they might fit the ticket, they seem to have lost their conscience or the ability to respond with a godly conscience. Why? Because they're looking out for me, number one, Uno, right here. They're not looking out for the kingdom and what God wants to do. The whole message of Jesus telling us to be ready had to do with doing the right things on the front end, not trying to catch up on the back end. Being ready meant entirely living in faithfulness to God. I, I like stories. A man from Kentucky moved to Katy, Texas, and he, he realized something really new that was going on. And he said, I've got some errands to run. I'll be back in an hour. And what I want to do is I want to drop these clothes off to you because he had seen a sign in a store that said one hour dry cleaning. So he took his clothes over to them and said, hey, I'm going to be back here in an hour. And the lady at the counter said, I won't be able to get these back to you till tomorrow. He said, well, oh, I'm early in the day. I need them in an hour. And, and, and I thought you did one hour dry cleaning. And she said, oh, 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 no. That's just the name of the store. We bought it from this company years ago, and that's what they were. But we don't do that anymore. That's just the name on the store. 
store, but we don't do that anymore. You look at the way Christians lived based on the Word of God and the way that Christians live today, and we're not doing that anymore. Why? I'm not here to bring conviction. What I'm here to say is, are you really broadcasting what you're living? If you're checking the Christian box, you ought to be living the Christian box. So there's just a difference. If there's one thing I could get across to Christians here in America, spiritual readiness, preparation, and growth does not just happen. It comes as a result of intentionally disciplining yourself and disciplining yourself into routines that function every day of life that put you in a position to receive what God promised. You can't depend on Sunday morning services to provide your spiritual needs. I mean, I hope to give you something you can go talk about later. I mean, get in your car later and go, <laughs> women, show it how it's done. Show it. Just do that, but prepare everybody first. Maybe show some excitement. Tell your kids about this sermon and say, say okay, I want to show you some excitement. <laughs> you do it your way, but talk about this sermon outside of the sermon. Talk about what's going on and get some preparation into your home with your kids, with your spouse. You just can't depend on Sunday mornings. Let me just throw this out. You can't depend on just Wednesday nights either. Some of y'all never depend on Wednesday night. That's so mean. (laughs) It's on podcast, and I'm sure y'all are listening to that. But here's the thing. And you probably, there's a lot that are. Here, here's the thing you got to know. Sundays and Wednesdays will not give you the spiritual readiness that you're in need of. The Christian life is day by day, minute by minute. Sometimes second by second. I, I mean, you're going to open a door and Rachel's going to be standing there. <laughs> it's a daily routine and it comes by taking time in prayer, in Bible study, in praying in the Spirit, in acts of service to others, in moral faithfulness, in making morality a standard for your life, loving obedience, not rebuking it or rebelling against it. It comes through spending time with other Christians in mutual prayer, in mutual fellowship, doing God kind of things together. It comes by living the life God called us to live. Are you getting this? See, without these things, you're just not going to be prepared. It can't be a hit and miss. You've got to develop some holy routines, some biblical routines in your life. I would say habits, but I'm just telling you, it's hard to develop Christian habits because you have an enemy that wants you to take that habit out of your life all the time. And so it's got to be something that I put into my routine daily. I've got to have a time to study my word daily or just know in a very quick time, the enemy comes and tries to steal that away from me. You're going to have to work on getting this daily routine into your life so that you can get the preparation necessary way outside of just Sunday mornings. It's way important. Here are some excerpts from actual performance reviews for British Navy and Marine officers. I I like this because I was reading it and I was going, okay, this is in all the world. One supervisor wrote this evaluation of a candidate. He works well 
under constant supervision and when cornered like a rat in a trap. Another one wrote, this young lady has delusions of adequacy. She sets low personal standards and then constantly fails to achieve them. (laughs) Obviously, they didn't get very far in the Royal Navy or in life. (laughs) They'll have even less success in the kingdom of God. See, being a Christian is like anything else. The harder you work at it, the better you get at it. The harder you work at being a Christian, the better you get at it. It doesn't just happen. I can tell you, after hanging out with a week, or for a week, with the Hiltons, boy, boy, David just knocked it out last week. It was a great, great time with him and then the men's conference. It was great. Well, we were down on one of the things that I try not to throw up when I'm doing, we're shopping. And uh, huh, it's like, let's go shopping. And David's like, let's go. And I'm like, okay, I got something to learn. <laughs> and so we go down there and Wendy and Michelle are shopping. And they're looking for, my, one, my, the, my favorite thing is, is clothes. <laughs> and so we're clothes shopping. And we're at the landing in Branson. Well, I don't know if you ever go to the landing in Branson, but one side of the road is shaded and the other side is in the sun. I mean, almost all the time. And so every time we wanted to find a place to sit, the seats that were in the shade were taken and the seats that were in the sun were not. And so David didn't want to sit in the sun. And what David would do is he would just go over and there'd always be somebody sitting there and he said, hey, can y'all move over and I sit by you? Well, have you ever tried to put four, including me, in one of those benches? But we're going to be in the shade because there's a bench over here that's wide open, but it's in the sun. He wants to sit in the shade. So we're sitting by these people. Every one of them, he sits down and just starts talking. And I thought, he's doing this on purpose. And at the end of the day, I asked him, he goes, yeah. He goes, there wasn't nobody to talk to except for you over there. (laughs) Over here, I thought we could gang up on him, and we did. And we just started talking about how good God was. And I mean, it just, boy, there was something about coming out, just hanging out with somebody that was really excited about sharing the Lord wherever he was. That was David Hilton. And it was fun. And we we even in the process got to ask people from Iowa where we could go up there and deer hunt. I never thought of that, but just in the conversation of talking about Jesus, the next thing that comes up is deer hunting. You're complaining that you don't have a place to deer hunt. What I'm telling you is go sit on a bench in Branson at the landing and just start talking. There's a lot of people from up north that have deer property. So there for you men, I'm just helping you out there a little bit. See, I didn't start with that intent. What I started with was what I had. And his relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And then you get to talking and you find out how just talking about him ends up being a blessing to everybody involved. Today, I want you to know we're the bridegroom. So I ask you, which one are you? Are you prepared? Are you preparing? Or are you just whatever comes is what comes? Not all of them were prepared. Some of them failed to bring 
oil for their lamps. As unimaginable as that seems, because you know that he's coming when you least expect it, which would probably be when you're sleeping, this is a warning from the parable. Be sure that you are prepared because it's possible, come on, hear me here, it's possible for you to look just like everyone else, talk like everyone else, carry a Bible, desire to go to heaven, go to church, Think of yourself as a Christian, yet ultimately you're unprepared. Now, I'm not trying to freak anybody out. I'm just telling you it's possible. It's real possible. Ultimately, I ask you today, are you unprepared? Or are you ready? Because Jesus is coming back. But I'm just telling you, you'll have to go shopping at some point. There are God principles for every season of life. And I'm not just talking about heaven, but I'm not going to put it down. That's what Jesus was talking about. To know the Bible and not be living for the God of the Bible is in direct contradiction to what's going to produce for your life. Now, to be a nice person and know all the right doctrine, yet have no relationship with God is possible. You can know it and not be living it. It's possible to look like everyone else and have your Christianity on the surface while never allowing it to penetrate who you are or change the way you live in private. All of the bridesmaids slept, and there's nothing wrong with sleeping, praise God. Normal life goes on while we're waiting for the bridegroom. I want you to know Luke 19, 13 is something that I've preached a lot, and I'm just going to give you just a few words from it. It says, occupy till he comes. That means do business, prepare for your retirement, to live life like he's not coming in your lifetime. That's how you live in the natural. But in the supernatural, you live like he's coming in the next breath. So all the time we're preparing spiritually for what is going to happen. All right, my second point, and I've only got three, so we're halfway through. I'm almost done. No one can do it for you. The foolish bridesmaids saw that they didn't have enough oil, so what they do? They asked their friends for some. Hey, can we borrow some of your oil? Can we get some? And what they said, no, no, that's not possible. That means that another person's faith is not going to cover you. Another person's faith, just because you were reared in a Christian home, just because your dad was the pastor, just because your grandfather was one of the deacons, whatever, it doesn't just rub off on you and then instantly, here I'm, here I am. That's not the way it works. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He just has children. See, what, what you've got to know is that you signing up and saying you're one of them puts you in the lineage and you ought to act like you're part of it. Don't try to borrow someone else's oil. Be sure to have your own. Character cannot be borrowed. I love name throwing. I love it when someone starts throwing names out like, I know so-and-so. I know, yeah, I know so and I know them. I, I, well, that's all of a sudden supposed to put you on the same reference as because you're throwing a name, now you're going to be thought of like they are. I've had people throw names, and I knew the name they were throwing, and I'm like, ooh, I, don't, I wouldn't throw that name. Why don't you throw your name? Let me give you one further. Why don't you throw Jesus' name? Here's who I'm associated with. 
And so I'm answering, well, why are you standing on that? Because that's what the Bible says, and that's the name that I live by, the name that's above every other name, the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, everything bows. That's what I'm living by. So you don't have to. You can fire me and do whatever you want, but I'm living by a name that's bigger than yours or bigger than the name you're throwing. Number three, and the last one, there is a time called too late. There is a time called too late. Foolish bridesmaids, they cried for the door to be open. They cried for the door to be open. The whole question is, are you prepared or are you not? Are you prepared? Are you prepared? I want to close with a story of an epic movie, Ben-Hur. I don't know if y'all have heard of that movie in 1959. Some of you are like, no. It won 11 Academy Awards. It was the most expensive film to be made at that time. And the theaters uh, hosting this were a little frustrated because the movie was three and a half hours long until they started getting their revenue. One of the most famous scenes in the movie was the climatic chariot ride, which required five weeks of filming, 15,000 extras, and 18 chariots, nine to be used by the stunt crew during practice. Now, the set was built over an 18-acre piece of land. And in the spirit of authenticity, Charlton Heston actually learned to drive the four-horse vehicles. But after weeks of practice, he expressed concern about the final shoot. He took the stunt coordinator to the side and said, I can drive the chariot. He told the stunt coordinator who was directing the scene, but he said, I'm not sure I can win. Listen to this. The stunt director came back and said, the coordinator said, Charles, you just make sure you stay in the chariot and I'll make sure you win. What I'm telling you is, stay in. Stay the course. Stay in preparation. Don't give up. Come on, just stay in. God will make sure you win. God will make sure you win. Come on, there are so many things we're looking for, and I just don't know if I can do this. This new business venture, this, this trying to stand firm in my faith amongst the heathens I work with. I'm just trying to do what I'm telling you is just stay in. Stay in. God will make sure you win. God will make sure you win. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.